Well, it's good to be here this morning. If you look in your, uh, turning your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter number 22, we're going to be talking about faith promise, and I love the subject of faith promise and talk about it, and we're going to be doing that this morning. If you look in your passport, and you'll, you'll find our picture, my wife was not able to be here. Our grandson drove down, he's in Bible college in Shelby, North Carolina at Ambassador, and he drove down uh, to spend the weekend, so my wife would rather be with him than me. So I know where I fit in that. I've known it, but now it's proven. But um, I want you to look at my picture in that, in that passport. That would be the very first page, I guess, of the book. And the reason I want you to look in there is because um, I looked just like that when I left the motel a while ago. <laughs> and I am living proof that sugar does melt. So I've lost, you know... 50 pounds of sugar this morning on the way over here. So anyway, in the rain. All right, Genesis 22, if you have your place, we're going we're gonna to share some thoughts with you this morning. I hope you'll be a blessing to you. Now, you've got to remember, God is a God of order. God is a God of principle. And uh, a lot of people have the idea that, uh, you know, they, they almost, they're, they're almost evolutionist in their Bible thinking when it comes to the things of God. God is a God of order. God is a God of principle. Just like all the planets and everything that we know, the reason they don't run into each other is because God set them in their order, in their place, and in their, in their motion, in their track, and God does that. Well, that's the same way it is when it comes to our serving God. God is a God of order. God is a God of principle. And when it comes to our giving, the same way. Now, I'm going to take out of my pocket, these are cough drops. They're called Fisherman's Friend, the best cough drop ever made, and I'm going to put one in my mouth because I've been, I got something a few weeks ago and I can't get rid of it, and if I start coughing, it won't be fun, but um, this is not, um, this did not come out of a can, and I didn't pinch it to put it in there, but anyway, I did break it in half because it's too big to put in my mouth while I'm talking, but anyway, um, I'm going to share with you, I believe, to be a wonderful principle of faith promise out of Genesis 22, and you've already turned and read, uh, I turned there, so we're going to read uh, two or three verses to get started. Then we're going to look at a few other verses in, in the chapter. Look with me, verse number one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempt means to test. He did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. And of course, this is the offering of his, his dear, beloved son, Isaac, this, this offering. <clears throat> and we know in the Word of God that Abraham was the first person that ever uh, gave a tithe. So he is our principal, and shows us the example of tithing. And so when it comes to this thing of faith promise or mission giving, a lot of people get hung up on the terminology when we talk about faith promise. They, I don't understand faith promise. Well, just think of it this way. This is money that is above my tithe and what I already give to the church that we're going to use to support missions. So forget about the terminology. Just remember, it's to support missions through your local church. Now, when I look at this chapter, there's some interesting things about it. And may I say right off the bat, it was never God's intention for Abraham to offer his son as a burnt offering. 
this was a test. As a matter of fact, the way I know that, when you go over to the book of Jeremiah, twice God said when it came to them, and they were in the book of Jeremiah offering their children to the, to the idols, to, uh, twice God said, it never came to my mind. So that means that even here, it did not come to the mind of God for Abraham to actually offer his son. Okay, So don't think that he was expecting a burnt offering of Isaac. He was not. This was a test for, for Abraham. Now, I only have three points. My messages are like the hair on my head. I'm looking for the day I'm going to have four points, but I only got three. So I counted this morning. I still got three. So that's how we're going to do it. So I got three thoughts I want to share with you this morning out of this chapter, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you. First of all, what was the purpose, the purpose that God intended for this for this chapter, would you look with me? I didn't read it, but we're going to turn and look in verse number 16, uh, verse 15 rather, and notice what the Word of God says, and the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, that only son Isaac, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, I want to get a couple of volunteers. I'm going to name them. Here comes my first one right now. Man, that was quick. I'm going to give you a dollar bill. You're going to give this dollar bill. Well, this, bill, this dollar bill is for your preacher. He's poor, bless his heart, an old Baptist preacher. He needs a dollar bill. But he cannot have this dollar bill because I'm not going to walk over. I'm too lazy. I'm not going to walk over and give it to him. I'm too lazy, so I'm going to give it to you. Now, you got a choice. You can keep it or you can give it to your preacher. But if you don't give it to him, he's not going to get it. So here's your dollar bill. Do with it as you want. But my purpose is for you to give it to your preacher. And preacher, if he gives that to you, put it in the offering. No, <laughs> no. Do with it what you want. Okay. <laughs> that was wonderful. I appreciate him doing that, actually. Do you know what? Do you know what? The, when the Bible talks about covenants, there are two kinds of covenants in the Word of God. There's what is known as a, as a conditional covenant. That was, Adam was given a conditional covenant. And the condition was that if, if, he, if he ate of that fruit in the garden then he was going to die. There was a condition to him being in the garden and living. Okay, there was a condition. But when it comes to Abraham in chapter number 12 of the book of Genesis, God gave to Abraham and he confirmed this, this covenant throughout the book of Genesis with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. This was what is known as an, an unconditional covenant. In other words, everything depended upon God. Everything. With Adam, it depended on Adam's faithfulness, his obedience, but not with the covenant of, of Abraham. The covenant of Abraham is likened unto our salvation. It is unconditional. It does not depend upon me and my works and my effort. It depends solely and totally upon God. The Lord Jesus did everything that was necessary for my salvation. Now, I want you to notice in the verses that I just read to you, there's a word there that we actually, the Lord uses it twice, verse 16, and then again down in verse number 18, and the word is because. He said he was going to bless all the nations of the earth. Now look at this word, 
because. Now, that was an unconditional, uh, an unconditional promise and an unconditional covenant until God put the word because in there. And when he put the word because in there, that means that there is now a condition. Now, think about it. We have an unconditional promise. The unconditional promise is that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we will absolutely be saved. I don't do anything for what I don't do anything for my salvation except ask. Now, when I when when we just gave our illustration, Brother Darrell was uh, supposed to take the dollar to the preacher, and um, the preacher actually I should, I left one part out. He was going to ask for the dollar. Okay, he was going to ask for it, but there was uh, this dollar that's going to the preacher is unconditional. I just wanted the preacher to have a dollar. The man that was going to get that dollar to him is Brother Darrell. So there is unconditional. He didn't do a thing today. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't even compliment me today. I mean, he didn't do anything, you know? So I'm giving it to him unconditionally, but there was a condition, and the condition is somebody had to take it to him. So in this story... God told Abraham, I want you to take your son. Now remember, this is the principle of faith, promise, giving. Me giving my money to, do, to, to give to my local church in order that we might reach the world with the gospel so that we might send missionaries. That is God's plan. Now these people that receive the gospel of Christ, they receive it freely. They get saved. When they trust Christ as their Savior, it is freely given. The Lord even told his disciples, freely you were given, freely bestow or freely give. And so it is free. It is free. There is nothing there. There is no debt upon a person that is laid upon them to be saved. It is free. But the condition is somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to tell them. Let, let me read you a verse of Scripture. Romans chapter number 10, verse 13 to 16. You know these verses. Verse 13 is, my, is the verse of Scripture the Lord used for the day that I was saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a promise. An unconditional promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now listen to this. How then shall they call? Okay, now we got a question. How then shall they call in whom they have not believed? They're not going to be able to call if they don't believe. Then he goes on to say, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So they got to hear in order to believe, in order to call. And then he goes on to say, and how shall they, how shall they hear without a preacher? So now we have how they're going to hear. They're going to hear because somebody's going to go. Somebody's going to knock on a door. Somebody's going to get on a plane. Somebody's going to get in a car. Somebody's going to stand in a class. Somebody's going to stand in a pulpit. Somebody's going to work on a job. And somebody's going to tell somebody about the free gift of salvation. Romans 6, 23, the Word of God tells me that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So I'm getting this free gift, but he throws in there, somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to tell. And how shall they go except they be sent? All of a sudden now we got somebody going and now we got somebody sending. Acts chapter number 13, God called Barnabas and Saul, Paul, and God was sending them. But you know who sent them? The local church sent them. So this church has got the responsibility, according to Romans chapter number 10, verse number 13 down to verse number 15 and 16, 
that as the preacher goes, somebody's got to send them. Somebody's got to give. Somebody's got to be behind them so that they can go. So it's a free gift, unconditional. But God says, unless you take it, unless you send them, they will never hear. They will never hear about the free gift. So the purpose that God intended is that Abraham would act by obedience upon what God told him to do in order that, this, that the whole world might be blessed. You understand? So unless we do our part, unless we get this faith promise card, unless we do our part, number one, we're disobedient. Number two, your church is not going to be able to fulfill the great commission to get the gospel to the regions beyond. That is the purpose of God. Now listen, just as easily as God let it rain this morning, God could have written in the clouds the gospel. God could have pinned it throughout the skies and all the world. All they had to do is just look up and read. God could, have got, God could have had a donkey get up and preach this morning. God could have done whatever God wanted to do. But God chose that through the foolishness of preaching, men might be saved. The foolishness of preaching. And so he laid the burden, the responsibility, may I say the honor, the privilege, the blessing of taking the gospel to the world, he laid that upon us. So in this story of Abraham offering Isaac, what in the world? There was a purpose. Because you have done this, because you gave your son all the world, every nation, all the world shall be blessed. You see what we have? Number one, that's the purpose. Number two, the price that God demanded. The price God, that God demanded. May I say this morning that here in America, we know very little about sacrificial giving. A lot of folks this morning, and I know there's some folks that have it really hard, have it tough. But I also know that for the majority of people in our areas here, the majority of people, we don't, we don't know very much about sacrificial giving. Abraham was one of the richest men that there was at that time. He could have gone out like he did every day. His habit, his everything, every day, he would just go out and offer an animal to God. That was his habit. But now today, this day was unlike any other day he had ever experienced in his life. When God told him in chapter number 11 of the book of Genesis to go, and finally in chapter number 12, he came, he was willing to do that. But now, when it comes to offering his son, can you imagine what he is going through as God says, I don't want an animal today, I want your son. You know why? When it comes to this thing, of, this thing of serving God, God requires, may I say, God demands our very, very best. God's, God doesn't want our leftovers. God doesn't want our afterthoughts. God wants this to be our passion. God wants this to be our passion. God wants this to be our purpose. I don't believe it's enough just to have a mission conference once a year and the missionaries come in and pat them on the back. It ought to be the purpose and the passion of your church. That's what it ought to be. And so God put upon him a price that was hard to bear. But may I say he did it. Um, and so when it comes to our faith promise, you know, when it comes to our tithe, and I've got to slow down and, and talk about the faith promise for just a moment. 
When it comes to our tithe, we know tithe is 10% of our income, easy to figure out. And above that, there are other special needs of your church, and so I know you give beyond your tithe because tithing is the base. It's like going to Wendy's, and all you get is a piece of meat. I mean, that is it. Well, if you want anything else, you got to add to it, okay? you got to get your cheese, and you got your lettuce, and your tomato, and your mustard, or your mayonnaise, or your what, and then this and then that. Tithing is the bottom. God doesn't want us just to have an old, dry hamburger. God wants us to exceed far beyond that. So you got to do that. But when it comes to this thing of faith promise, how much do I give? Well, I think if we follow the principle of Genesis 22 of, of what Abraham, what happened to Abraham, God told him what he was to give. God told him. And so if I really want to give faith promise, if I really want to have part in helping support missionaries around the world, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend some time with God and ask God what he would have me to give. And you don't have to pray, Lord, if you want me to give. You don't have to pray that prayer because I believe it's God's will that we do give. It is God's will. I, for the kids, I like for everybody to be involved in faith promise. We give. It's, it is the will of God that we give. It's the will of God that they go. It's the will of God. And so when it comes to faith promise, God will tell me what it is. Spend time with God. And it is not God speaking verbally out, out, of, out of heaven to you, <clears throat> but it, it will be an impression upon your heart about what you're to give. Now, let's say God wants you to give $20 a, a, a week, but you're just not sure. Maybe it should be 30 God is not going to get mad at you if you give 30 okay? God will never get mad at you if you give more than maybe what you thought you ought to give. Uh, it'll be all right. But you need to pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to give. And there's a reason for that in just a moment. So number two, God, or number one, God will tell me what I, I got number ones and twos under everything. So I'm still on big point number two. <clears throat> he told him what to give. <coughs> just like he will tell us what to give. But number two, he will tell us where to give it. Now, you know, he told him he didn't know where he was going. That's just like us. We don't know. <coughs> I need to get my cough drop working here going. It's just like us. We don't know um, maybe where we're to do what and all this stuff. God told him, you just take off and I'll show you where to give. He took him to the land of Moriah. You know, that's an interesting place. Do you know where Moriah was? That's the place where a man by the name of Melchizedek lived. I call that the land of Melchizedek. Some people dispute whether he was really the Lord Jesus Christ incarnate or pre-incarnate, or if he was a, a, a man, just a real man that lived who was a type of Christ. No matter, this was the land of Moriah. Land of Moriah. In Genesis chapter number 14, you know who gave tithe? You know where it's first mentioned? In the land of Moriah, the land of Melchizedek. That's where he gave it. God, unbeknownst to Abraham, God is taking him back to the place he gave his tithe, the land of Moriah. It's interesting that as he goes back, the land of Moriah, because he doesn't know where he's going, but you know what he says? Hey, I've been here before. I paid my tithes here. So when it comes to my faith promise, you know what I ought to do? Just give it where God tells me. He tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 to lay by in store where we're going to do that in the house of God. First day of the week, we're going to lay by in store at the house of God. And so he tells me where I'm to give. He even tells me how, I, how I'm to give. So on this card, there's a place for you to put an amount of money. You're going to pray and ask God what he wants you to give. 
And then you notice there's no, no place for you to put your name, but I believe God even tells us how we're to give. Well, when you look through here, verse number three, verse number two and three, you'll find God told Abraham to give between verse two and three. There's a space. That's when he surrendered to give it. Verse number three is when he gets up to go, okay? Now, in verse, between verse number two and three, he committed to give privately. You're not supposed to tell, you don't tell anybody what you give. That's between you and God. So there's no place on the card for you to put your name. That's between you and God. But at the same time, he did something publicly. He took two men with him. They took the same journey, three days journey. They finally got over to where God wanted them to be. But when it came to them going up on the mountain and offering uh, for the offering of Isaac, they didn't go. They stayed behind. But when Abraham came back down, those two men that stayed down on the bottom, they knew that something had been offered, even though they were not there. So how did they know? This is, this is audience participation. This is class participation. How did the two witnesses down below know that something had been offered? Because he told them, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and will come again to you. How did they know when they came back that something truly had been offered? How did they know? Anybody know? There are two ways that they knew. Pardon? Wood was gone, but how did they know it was, it was used? That's part of it. How did they know? They saw the smoke. Okay? So they knew something has off. But there was one other way that they knew. They knew it. Have you ever gone by a steakhouse when the place is open? Uh, I mean, it just almost pulls you in. They saw the smoke. They smelled the aroma. May I tell you this morning that if you give faith promise, people won't know what you give, but it will be evident that you are serving God with sacrificial giving. It will be evident because the smell of God's aroma will be on your life. You won't be driving a new car. You won't be doing all the things you may think, but God's blessing, his hand will be upon your life. He told them how to give. They give publicly. They gave privately. So there's no place for you to put your name. It's between you and God. But you, now, so why do we do the card? Well, the card is my public offering, is my public demonstration. Just like smoking, smoking aroma, this is it, or this is it, rather. I drop my little portion in the plate. There's no name on there, but when I give this, there's a thing called accountability. So you put your amount of money on there. It goes in the offering plate. The cards are collected. The church will count up the money, see how much was promised per week and month. And then by faith, just like you're going to give by faith, by faith, because the church is going to trust you to give what you said you're going to give, they're going to take on missionaries before the money is ever here. They're going to give it. And so you give, and that is called accountability. Just like Abraham told these men, accountability, I'm the ladder going to go up yonder and worship, and we're going to come again to you. So that's what God did. That's what God did. May I ask Brother Darrell, did you give your preacher that dollar? Okay, I didn't see you. I just want to make sure. So he tells us, he tells us what to give, he tells us where to give it, and he tells us how to give it. And I got so many little things there where to give. Oh, can I just mention this one little tidbit? When you read chapter 22 through the end of it, you're going to find somewhere around 71 or 72 words, uh, one word used 71 or 73 times, something like that. I got lost in my counting. 71, 73 times. And is the word 
A-N-D. The word and. And is what? What is and in, in our parts of speech? What do we call the word and? What is it? Conjunction. It's what couples thoughts, sentences together. 71 times. That tells me all the way through you're going to find the word and, but that tells me that the whole chapter is linked together even when it comes down in the latter part of the chapter. He's talking about Abraham's brother having these kids. And in that, he talks about a lady by the name of Rebecca. He's, now think about this. He's going to give his only son of promise to God, and he's believing God. He, in his mind, he was going to kill that kid. He was going to burn him up. There was going to be no way to replace him unless God gave that boy back to him. No way. But in this chapter, God gives the future to Isaac and to Abraham. See, God had promised him he's going to have seed just like the sand of the shore and like the stars of heaven. He already promised him that. In this chapter, when he gives this boy to God, so many people are hung up. Well, if I give to God, my kids are not going to have what they need. My kids are going to starve to death. Can I tell you, when you give to God, God promises your future. In this chapter, and, 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 he comes down, and he did this, and he did that, and the angel stopped him, and God gave him a ram. May I just say right here, by the way, he was in the land of Melchizedek. Now, this is pure speculation. This is pure Hamby speculation, Hamby theology. Could it be, could it be that the ram that was there caught by the horns in the thicket was Melchizedek's ram? Was Melchizedek's ram? Could it come from the flock of Melchizedek? Can I tell you, everything that we give and everything that we are, it comes from the hand of God. Could it be, hang on just a second, the handy theology, could it be, remember, chapter 14, he didn't give him money. He didn't give Melchizedek a tithe of money. He gave him a tithe of animals and all. Could it be, could it be, that this was one of the rams or maybe one of the children, a kid, of one of the sheep that he'd given to Melchizedek in chapter 14. And he was getting a return on what he gave already. Could it be? Let's speculate. I don't know. But could it be? Because he's in the land. Hey, can I tell you where we are? We're in the land of Jesus right here at this church. This is where we bring our tithe. This is where we bring our offering. This is where we support missions. This is where we do the work of God. This is the land of Jesus. And when you came in today, we're walking on holy ground, friend. This is his land. This is his place. This is his house. We're here to worship God. We're here to do his business. And could it be that God just kept on blessing Abraham and kept on blessing Abraham? Could it be? So we see the price that he demanded. But then last of all, the provision God provided you know, he was standing there getting ready to kill that boy. And a lot of people think, I, you know, I, I'm going to trust God. And, and by the way, I'm leaving a whole lot out. A lot of people think, you know, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to become an instant, instant millionaire. Lord, well, I'm going to preach on that tonight. I'm going to be an instant millionaire because I'm giving to God. Don't count on it. I, I've been given faith promise since 1973. And your preacher probably in the 1800s, he started giving. You've heard this story. It won't happen anymore, I guess, for a while, but you heard about your preacher was at Corinth Baptist Church, and some woman thought it was me, and she came up to him, boy, she said, you better behave in here today. 
I don't know why I should say to that about your preacher who's so calm and timid. I don't know, you know, anyway. But look, we've been giving faith promise all these years. Look at the top of our heads. I mean, if we give so that we can get, the first thing I want is a head of hair, man. Good night. So don't expect, you know, the provision of God. Can I tell you what the provision of God, when I give, when I trust God and my, and my intention is right, when my motive is right, and I'm given because I have a burden and a passion for people and for souls, can I tell you, here's what God, God is going to do. He's going to take care of me. He's going to meet my needs. God looks down from heaven today, and he said, if Dean Hamby needed hair, you know what, I'd be, I'd be strutting out here today, you know. I do have it, it's just my eyebrows are getting bushier, my, you know, out my ears and all anyway, you know. It's internal hair coming out where it's not supposed to, I guess. No, God will meet our need. He, what did he need in that chapter? He needed a ram. He needed a substitute. He needed some, someone, something to take place of his son. And it didn't come a minute early, and it didn't come a minute late. As a matter of fact, I'm always, I'm always amazed when I read the story. You take an animal. I remember years ago when we were in Africa, I heard some commotion early in the morning. I heard some commotion outside our window. And we have walls, little block walls around our house in Ivory Coast where we lived. And, and um, here's some men coming toward our house with rocks in their hand. And we hadn't been up there too long. We'd moved from the capital up to Devo where we ended up our ministry. And here come these guys toward our house with rocks. And I thought, I said, what are y'all doing? I mean, good night. They're coming to kill us already. We just got started up here. And they're saying, sha, 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 sha. And uh, sha means cat. So I went out of the house and I went and I looked over my wall and here was a cat that had gotten caught in a trap. And they were going to kill that thing. They eat cat over there. And somebody said, you like cats? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever tasted one or not. But, uh, you know, um, but they, hey, that, if they had touched, they had to kill it because had they tried to touch that cat, that cat would have t- transformed itself into a lion and it had eaten all of them. Here's a ram. He's caught by the, the horns in the thicket, and not a sound, not a movement. I believe he saw it when he needed it. He got it when he needed it. Had it come before he needed it, then we wouldn't have the story. But it came when he needed it, right on time. That's what God does. And you know what? We don't have to manipulate. We don't have to make up. We don't even have to worry when God, His provision is there. On time, always on time. Whatever I need, God is there to meet my need. If I will just trust Him, if I will just put Him first, if I will agonize with God because, like I said, in between verse number 2 and 3, there's a little tiny space, just a little tiny space in your Bible, But for Abraham, I believe that night was a lifetime. He'd waited on this son. He'd waited on him. And God, in his old age, God gave this old man a son of promise. He could have said, I'll give Ishmael. God didn't want Ishmael, who was a a son of faithlessness and passion. He wanted this boy, who was a son of faith and promise. And all night long, he agonized, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Can I tell you what Abraham did? He just got up and did what he always does. He just got up and obeyed God. He just got up and was going to offer an offering to God. 
And so I believe the problem in many of our lives today, we're not willing to agonize with God over what God wants. Brother Bowden's here this morning, and other missionaries are going to be here. They're somebody, they are somebody's child. Why does it always have to be somebody else's children that go to the mission field? Man, he's got one of his grandchildren here this morning. If, it's, if, he's, if, if the coffee family's not careful, they may be missing some grandkids the next time they go back to South Africa. Why did it have to be his kids? Why did it have to be my kids and my grandkids? Years ago, I agonized with God. And I said, Lord, here are my children. Your preacher did the same thing. Others who have given their children had to do the same thing. Because faith promise is just not about money. It's about me. That's what it's all about. Am I willing to do what God wants me to do with my life? All of me, my life. And when I give it all to the Lord, can I tell you, easy? No, sometimes it's not easy. But right? Yeah, it's right. Good? Absolutely, it's good. If we will just trust the Lord. So the principle of faith promise. So here's what I'd like for you to do. If you've never given faith promise, I want you to begin, to, I want you to pray, Lord, what you want me to give. And then trust God and he'll, and he'll show you. And then give it. Give it how much? You just keep on giving every week, every month until Jesus comes. You give consistently. You give constantly. You just keep on giving. If you have already been giving faith promise, when you fill out your card, and I've lost my card up here in a stack of papers, but when you fill out your card, what you're going to do, if you've never given whatever the amount is God wants you to give, you put that on the paper. If you have, have, you have been giving, let's say you've been giving $10 a week or a month or whatever you've been giving, and the Lord lays on your heart $100 a week or a month or whatever he tells you to give, then you add that to what you're already giving. So if you're giving 10 and the Lord wants you to give 10 more, you put 20 on the card. You don't just put the, the amount you're, you're going to add to it. You put the whole amount you're going to give and you turn it in. Be sure you check monthly or weekly. If your children are involved in Faith Promise, which I would encourage you to do, you just make sure that you help them fill out the card so that they don't put a million dollars and you're, you're stuck with, with a debt of a million dollars and you're, you know, you're going to get hauled off the jail because your preacher, if he sees a million dollars, he's going to click from somebody and he's big enough to do it. Me, I couldn't do it, but he's big enough to do it. So let's ask God to help us to give what we're supposed to give and to do what God wants us to do. Father, would you have your way this morning? and our hearts and lives as we think about faith promise. And we'll bless you and praise you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.